Raw Radio, not our, can't be an hour tonight, um, but... Uh, uh, time slot? Yes, <laughs> the, the All Out Brawl time slot. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Sam. And I am your other host, Chris. Yes, and uh, as if my tone didn't imply it, it's nighttime right now, so keep it keep it smooth. You sound a little like sensual. It's kind of weird. Jazz is coming up after this. Oh, okay. So you know, got to get them horny for it. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So we are going to have an um, episode today. Of- is this our sixth? Yes, this is our sixth episode, um, and today we're going to answer some Twitter questions. Um, so, yeah, so sorry about last week, uh, extenuating circumstances. It happens. Um, you should mention what you were doing. It's pretty cool. Oh, well, I was I was doing uh, service work with a group of high school kids, building homes in Houston and stuff like that, so... It was cool. It was really cool. Um, but unfortunately, it did not leave me a lot of time to either research or record for a podcast. So um, we had to take a week off. But we are excited we're to back. be back this week with some um, answers to questions that were posed to us on Twitter. Got us thinking a lot. So yeah. we wanted to address them. Yeah. And so before we get to those, um, is there anything you want to talk about in, in the world of Brawl? That has been so there hasn't been too much news in the last two weeks, but just today, like we recorded on Monday, um, there were some magic 2019 set spoilers. Yep. And one of the big ones that you were saying was Reliquary Tower um, will be standard legal. And yep. that's basically a commander staple. Yes. Yeah. Lots so of card drawing commander, lots of card advantage. So a land that lets you keep all your cards, essentially no maximum hand size is great in a format that the games generally run pretty long. Yeah, and on top of that, there's not a lot of land removal. There is Memorial to War, and there is Fall of the Thran, and, like, a couple, you know, of those terrible red spells that, like, destroy land and then do, like, barely anything on top of it. Um, I still don't think those are going to be really useful, per se, but uh, with Reliquary Terry, uh, with Reliquary Tower, in addition to all the flip lands from Ixalan, it might be worth might be worth rounding one or two of those. Anyway, and I think yeah. Reliquary Tower was kind of always one of those innocuous lands that it got out of hand in the decks that wanted large maximum hand sizes, right? Um, or that plan on drawing a lot of cards, but otherwise it kind of just flies under the radar. So yeah. Um, but yeah, and I guess the other big one we should point out is, uh, at this point in time, we've only seen Vivian Reed, um, the mono green walker from M19. Um, we're going to be getting a monocolored walker of each color, a Johnny, Tezzeret, uh, Liliana, Sarkon, and then Vivian is our green walker. Um, she's new, um, and she seems pretty basic, but in a good way. Like she seems like a good, like kind of like, uh, staply planeswalker for the format um she she lets you dig for creatures she lets you uh destroy you know naturalize and also kill flying creatures and then she also gives you an emblem that gives you an anthem um including indestructibility so she seems like she'll probably be a pretty good finisher for most screen decks so that's nice um but i'm I'm, my hopes for this um planeswalker uh cycle is that maybe we'll get a pretty cheap costed one like three mana yeah well like i remember 
I mean, okay. Our last three mana one might have been Liliana. No, I mean, the Gideon of the Trials is a three-mana Oh, that's walker. true, that's true. I forgot about yeah. Gideon. And so is Jace Cunning Castaway, but he's really yeah, bad. So. Yeah. But, so, yeah, maybe a good three-mana walker. I mean, Gideon yeah. of the Trials is pretty good, but, yeah, I don't know. Um, We'll see. So nothing Liliana Vest no. levels, but... We're, yeah, we're not going like to see something Chain Veil. No. low-costed that's actually playable, because Jace does not... I, I had forgotten about Jace, because he's not really playable. that great yeah. of a exactly. card. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, um, but yeah, so that's kind of the news um, we have. Uh, we'll see, we'll see as as M nineteen comes out, we'll we'll probably get some more uh, exciting things for Brawl. But um, I think it's going to be really cool to have a core set in this format. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm I'm skeptical mostly because I think this core set seems pretty vanilla for the most part. So yeah, a lot of the spoilers have been like well-costed green fatties and yeah exactly like that broken okay so i guess one thing we want to talk about is the buy a box promo oh was spoiled for this set and it's a little nonsense it's a seven mana yes blue instant that gives you an extra turn and no it's not exiled it's then shuffled into your library so this card essentially has flavor text that says break me please yeah because no, if it's, it's the last yeah. card in your deck, you have infinite turns, which yeah. is kind of absurd in Brawl, I think. Yeah. Um. I mean, I guess the response that a lot of people have is that it is seven mana, so you do have to waste seven mana doing that. But unfortunately, in a deck like, say, Tachiova, that's completely plausible in addition to doing whatever the hell else you want to do, because you're going to have every land in your deck on the field at some point. So, mm-hmm. um, so it's going to yeah. be pretty good. Yeah. Um, and but also, anyway, it's yeah, well, silly that it's a buy a box promo, but that's yeah. an opinion for another time. Yeah, I mean, I've already made it clear how much I hate buy a box promos, um, and this just fuels that hatred, um, especially with your love for blue. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I don't. This card is stupid. I already hate Karn's Temporal Sundering, and that card is like fair, kind of. So, anyway, let's talk about the thing we're here to talk about today: Twitter questions. Yes. So. Um, these three questions, they have a few parts to them, but they all come from at Mike Trev on Twitter. He asked a bunch of questions, which we wanted to thank him for. They're really interesting questions. I got us thinking, but this first one was in response to our Brawlitics episodes. And he asked, have you heard of Alanji's animal metaphors? So I guess to start, I had not heard of this, um, type of idea. So I thought maybe the type of player thing, like, is it Timmy and Oh yeah, player psychographics. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's a it's sort of like that, but a little bit more in depth and it has to do with cards themselves and like the kind of things cards do. Yes. Yeah, so, no, and so uh, specifically, so when we're saying Alangi, we're saying uh Anthony Alon Alangi Alangi. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not this sure was either. the first I'd heard of him, but he seems like he used to be an employee. Yeah, so he he wrote for the website. Um he wrote a column called Serious Fun. Um and specifically the uh this animal uh archetype thing that like was mentioned or animal metaphors. Um it seems to be in reference to uh uh specific cards. Um and it looks like at least in the column that we found which is titled Alonji's Fabulous 500. Um, which is from September 21st, 2004. So probably have to dig a little in the archives, but, (laughs) um, but essentially it looks like he 
was someone who was a proponent of multiplayer formats, um, and he would he actually went through and found the best multiplayer cards um, based on you know different factors, including um, kind of using this guide that he made with these animal uh, metaphors. So um, it was really cool. I, I read it. I, I read the article. Um, I know you did too, um, and I think it's interesting. Uh, it's a good way of looking at cards, especially for a format like Brawl, because. You know, it doesn't have to be multiplayer, but we mostly play multiplayer, and uh, uh, I think it I think it helps to kind of give you a clearer idea of what you're la- like what you're doing with the cards that you're playing. Yeah, and I think we scratched upon the surface of some of these ideas in our Brawlitics episode, but there it's also just all these nuances to kind of um, gameplay strategies that come along with the cards that fit into these classifications. Yeah, yeah. So do we want to sure. just start with what they are? Yeah, let's do it. So there's six of them, right? Yep. And the first one are rattlesnakes that warn. And the idea, I think, is you're kind of playing cards that make it so players don't want to attack you or make it harder for them to interact with you. Yeah. So you're kind of making yourself an unsightly target. You're making yourself um, kind of like a rattlesnake reeling back on its... uh, and flaring its, I don't know, whatever. Rattle? That it, you know. Yeah. The, yeah. And, no, yeah. Oh, that's, I'm thinking of a cobra. So yeah, like kind of just, you're, you're shaking, <laughs> sorry, I was thinking of a cobra. Yes, yeah, so you're kind of shaking that warning rattle, yes. saying like, I have, I have trouble if you start attacking me. And I think this is definitely an apparent, um, strategy in the brawl format, because we have cards like Shalai that make you creatures you control besides her. And, Planeswalkers you control have hexproof, so they're just like, yeah, you're not you're not touching my creatures. We have Baird who says you can't attack me. We have the flip side of thematic compass that says if you attack me with your best creature, it's actually not going to get to attack me. And cards like Edifice of Authority that say, um, I'm going to hold this up and perhaps um, disincentivize you from choosing to attack me this one time because if you do, that creature probably won't be able to attack at all anymore. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, I think. Um especially playing since i play i've played some more aggro decks i've seen a lot of this um especially in baird and like edifice of authority um i don't know if that i I don't know if people are seeing that card a lot in their own brawl games but like that card is so stupid and i hate it um but yeah yeah, some of these cards we talk about might just be specific to our play group because we do have somebody that his decks are built with the cards he has. He doesn't go out and buy cards specifically for his Brawl decks, really. So, like, he's using Edifice of Authority and that type of thing. But they're not bad cards. They're still no. pretty good cards. They're just cards you might not slot into a 60-card deck when you have better choices. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's like... Uh, yeah, so these... I think, uh, at least looking at the ones that you have here, um, these seem... Excuse me. A little more on the... Um, protective side um more than the like i don't know how to put this like rattle rattle side um because i feel like with like baird or uh thematic compass being a kind of like maze of ith kind of thing it's more like i mean you can attack me but like it's gonna cost you extra or like you know i'll just make it not do anything um i'm trying to think of a good example of something i was thinking like anything you can hold open like um those that um artif- you make an artifact tap to deal two. Oh sure the quicks quicksilver yep. rebel or i was thinking actually kazarov yeah oh, yep 
or the <laughs> just, flip yeah. the flip side to Vance's blasting cannons. Sure. Yep. No. Pay that, three yeah. to deal three. Like anything yeah. that you can hold open and then threaten at instant speed damage to something. Or sure. I guess also we have profane procession with instant speed exile. Yep. So anything like removal or damage you can hold open to disincentivize attacks against you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So yeah. So that's the first one is rattlesnakes. Um, so the next one is kind of similar in a way. Um, it's gorillas that pound is how uh, Alangi describes it. Um, so the idea is that these are uh, elements that kind of just put a big impact on the board. Um, so it's kind of like massive board wipes. So hour of devastation, star of extinction, um, or a, like a really big fatty, like Galta, or you know, like a really big effect, like overwhelming splendor, um, because they usually uh, do like essentially these gorilla elements have like a huge impact on the board. They get rid of a lot of stuff. They make like a really big threat, or they you know turn someone's deck off, kind and of I- like that. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's also you're kind of asserting your dominance on that game at that moment. Because another thing I just thought of when you were saying those things and describing it was um, Paradox Engine in Joyra. Oh, yeah. Once that card comes down, you know that deck is about to win unless you can deal with it. Like, it's that kind of card that once it hits the battlefield, its presence is known. It's like it's pounding its chest. It's letting you know that I plan to do the thing I this deck is built to do if you don't have some way to... Right. But it's also like asserting your dominance and destroying all the creatures on the board or just exiling all artifacts or something. So I think it, this one is a little bit more um, nuanced. Yeah. Well, and so, yeah, so I think, um, and I think Alonghi talks about this too, but it, kind of the difference here with the like difference between gra- gorillas and rattlesnakes, and like there are some cards that kind of are both, um, but the big difference is that while rattlesnakes might, you know, like in a sense, overwhelming splendor, I think you could probably say is kind of rattlesnakey as well. Um, especially in a deck like a Tiana deck where I have it, where it's like, Oh, like if you get rid of it, it's just going to come back kind of thing. Um, uh, but like in that case, it is kind of a gorilla element because it says, you know, like, Oh, that person's not doing anything anymore. Um, but it also is kind of rattlesnakey where it's like, Hey, like, you know, don't, don't mess with me. Um, I don't know. It, it's it's it, you're right. It's kind of nuanced, um, but I think it's an important distinction, mostly because I think, like, I think one of the big points in kind of relating it to our brawlitics episode um, is that rattlesnake elements are less likely to draw you a lot of hate, I think, yeah. than gorillas. Gorillas will draw you a lot of hate because you're making a big impact on the board, as opposed to rattlesnakes, which are intentionally designed to deflect hate yeah like so. i posed this um question if you have a removal spell you're going to cast it on baird or galta oh i'm getting rid of galta yeah so yeah <laughs> baird is annoying but like galta is going to kill me so <laughs> yeah so, so that's I think that's probably the distinction yeah um so i guess another one oh, just would be fall of the thran yes yeah i think I so too my head. i really want i got that card i have it i have yeah. one of it i need to find a deck to play it in because i really want to so yes. I'll report back if I find it. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, I think the, um, the big thing about that one is it's weird because it, it does paint like a big target on you, but at the same time, your enchantment is the thing that is bringing back other people's lands. So I feel like it does actually kind of protect you a little bit in the sense that you're not, while you did make a big impact on the board, 
people want you to stay alive because that's a way for them to get their lands back. Oh, excuse me. But um, let, let's move to the next one since there are six here um, and try to try to keep it going. So the next one is Spiders That Trap. So the idea here is you're casting cards that um, surprising. They're surprising and they gain you card advantage. Mm-hmm. So his example, which I, I really needed, like all of these in his article had examples. And I really needed those examples to kind of like drive home the idea. Yeah. And it was essentially a card that stole a creature, gave it haste, and then sacked it at the end of combat and gained life based on it. It was called Spinal Embrace. I'm like, oh, it's that kind of a deer. Your instant speed doing tricks that are going to either make your opponents lose creatures, gain you creature advantage or card advantage, and kind of out of nowhere getting yourself in the advantage. Right. So, I mean, yeah. So, essentially... I see the examples that you have put down here for Brawl. They're um, white and blue, but I couldn't yeah. think of anything else. That's fair. Um, yeah, so how about you go through those and we can kind of talk about... You can probably think of more, too. But the ones yeah. off the top of my head I thought of were Raph Capuchin. I actually have a Brawl deck who is helmed by Raph, so we might talk about that in a later episode. But he lets all of your historic spells have flash. So essentially, him as a Brawler makes your whole deck spiders. Yeah. Um, and then we have Merfolk Trickster, which is just the combat trick we talked about. Sentinel of the Pearl Trident, which is another creature with flash. And then a big one, I think, is Settle the Wreckage. Yeah, that's true. So, the Wrath to Exile. Yeah. And it's an instant speed, one player board wipe, essentially, for attacking yeah. creatures. So there's these cards that you get to hide behind, essentially. You sure. get to kind of weave your spider web and wait for them to fall into that trap uh and you're normally probably like it's it's a little telegraph because you're passing with mana open most of the time but yeah you can kind of like um fake that you don't have something or but yeah you're you're essentially setting up that trap for them to fall into if they like make the wrong move yeah i mean essentially i feel like this is pretty much like counterspell dot card type (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i mean there's that and then i I was i as you're talking about it i'm trying to think of some other examples i feel like um instant speed there's a couple instant speed well there i think there's one instant speed green card that puts plus almost one counters on all of your creatures um from dominaria and then you can kick it to make it two plus almost one counters um i feel like that's a green kind of spidery card because Especially if you have a deck where you have a lot of like tiny creatures and some and like you know you're you're like well I'm not going to swing because I don't want to lose all my creatures and then someone else swings into you and then you play this card and turn all of your one ones into three threes um, you could probably eat up some of their creatures um, wild onslaught yes yeah and then but yeah I feel like I feel like every color even though while blue and white are like the typical poster childs I think um, I feel like uh, black red and green well. Black and red especially have a lot of like instant speed removal um, that they can use to kind of do this trap effect where they can, you know, trade a creature for a um, like a removal spell or they can get rid of a couple creatures using some kind of combat trick. So, um, but yeah, I think in general, um, this is really like when you're, when you're talking about kind of going back to politics again, when we're talking about like the control decks and the decks that are, you know, more about like not necessarily comboing but using a lot of spells um controlling the board using you know 
big creatures or big spells is going to be a spider, more of a spider element heavy deck because you know obviously if you're running blue red spell slinger you're going to be running a lot of counter spells like that just makes sense so probably going to be running a lot of instants too so yeah okay um so let's move on to the next one um so the next category is pigeons and alangi says pigeons that mooch so the idea is that the pigeon element um is a card that grows stronger the more opponents there are so um essentially the it looks like you have one example here um and i'm trying to think of another one but the one that you have here is our revelation um which is specifically because it's cheaper if there are more permanents on the board um so like you know obviously our revelation gets better with more opponents because there's more people playing more permanents so that means that you can probably cast it for cheaper i guess as you explain that another one i thought of would be torment of hailfire because I mean, it's, it, the card itself doesn't change, but you're getting even more value out of it when you pay nine yeah. mana and it affects three players as opposed to just one opponent. Yeah, essentially, I I would say that any card that says each opponent on it, similarly yeah. to how Two Headed Giant loves those cards, um, multiplayer every every card that says each opponent does X and X is a bad thing, um, I would consider a pigeon card. I can't think of. I mean, I guess Vona's Hunger. Um, yeah, that's the, a good one. Yeah. Uh, are there any pigeon cards that benefit everybody? One I guess I thought of was yeah. Field of Ruin because you're getting rid of somebody's good land, but everybody's ramp- like two people are ended up ramping and so. I think the difference, and I, we can kind of cover this as we talk about the next one. I think the difference is that pigeons are cards that are good for you. Because okay. there are more opponents. So, like, Field oh, of Ruin okay. isn't a pigeon card because it's better for the whole table. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's strictly, like, so, I think... Yeah, yeah that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So, um, I'm trying to think if there might be another good example here. Um, Atali. Atali is a really good card with more oh, players. Oh, yes, yes. So, yeah, there's one. There's there's a good... Because she cares about yeah. all opponents' libraries. Exactly. Um, so, you'll get more spells. To be, uh, there has to be others. This is something we could look into and maybe yeah. um, provide more ideas later. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So, uh, but that's essentially the idea there is it, it's cards that get better when you have more opponents. It's the cards you don't want to try or don't want to top deck once you've eliminated two players. And then you're like, well, this is terrible now because I only have one opponent. So, so the next one is Plankton. And uh, the idea is Plankton that feed. And I think this is the group huggy type idea whereas you're feeding the whole table without really discriminating between you versus opponent yeah so this would be i don't think we have any in standard but cards that let everybody tap for extra mana or oh um, yeah everybody draw a card or yeah i guess in this are we talking just talking about field of ruin yes yeah so field of ruin like you said it does destroy someone's land but it also um, and you also sack a land, but it does mean everyone gets to ramp. Um, and then you put Howling Golem here, which is a perfect example because Howling Mine, I think, is like the poster child for Plankton that feed. Um, but Howling Golem, obviously, same effect. And I actually run that card in my raft deck, so. Yeah. I think it is playable. Oh, I think so too, especially because um, I-, I think that's one of the things is I feel like this animal 
uh, that like this idea here, it, this is obviously where group hug decks like get pretty much all of their juice um, is in plankton cards. Um, and I think that calling it a plankton card might give it some like, feels like it gives it a bad name because, you know, plankton are tiny and low and, you know, like stuff like that. But I think there is a lot to be said, especially for politics, to say that like if you play plankton cards, like you're not going to get targeted. Like It's kind of that idea much. like yeah. when you're playing Kineos and Tyros. It's like people like, can you please cast your commander now? I want to get that card advantage. <laughs> exactly, but it's yeah. not really advantage because everybody's getting it. I think that's the that's the thing the player who's playing these types of cards has in the back of their mind. Like everybody's happy, but like it's not really advantage. It's yeah. Um, the other one that I wanted to bring up because uh, that is that Alangi does um, specify that it. it usually appears more in green and artifacts than other colors um because and that makes a lot of sense when i think about edh pretty much every group hug deck has a green element because anything anything that calls itself group hug that isn't running green isn't really group hug because it's just dealing damage indiscriminately um (laughs) our turn coin or our um group coined the term uh group thug (laughs) group thug i don't know if we coined it but we say that Right. Yeah. I think um, I've heard group thug. I've heard group slug. I've heard bear hug. Um, but yeah. So the the other one I wanted to bring up that's in standard right now um, is Girapur Ori. Ori? I don't know how to say that last word. But uh, essentially the one that says um, oh, yeah. everyone I... plays an extra land. And if you don't have any cards in hand, you get to draw extra cards. So yeah. Yeah. I play that in my Minotaur deck. Yeah. And I mean, like, again not a bad card like no. it there, it has a place and i think it's important to remember for politics that like just because it's helping everyone doesn't mean that it's bad but it also doesn't like you were saying doesn't necessarily mean it's good either because it's not really advantage if everyone's getting it so okay um let's move to this last one the last uh animal arc, or animal element is cockroach so and i think it's your least favorite yeah, well, so it's cockroaches that replicate. Um, so the idea is literally like how cockroaches will just multiply. Um, it's uh, a card that replicates an effect and or multiplies resources. So essentially, um, yeah, you've already put some here. Uh, something like Sunbird's Invocation that lets you cast free spells. Um, Sahili's Artistry that makes you two copies of things. Um, Primal Amulet makes your spells cheaper. And also and then, the flip side copies them. Yeah. And then you also have a couple wizards here, Nabon and Naru. Uh, Nabon that copies your wizard's entrance effects and then Naru that copies the literal spell. Um, yeah. I mean, ooh, yeah. You have, I, I guess, the big one I forgot is Anointed Procession. Yes. Literally. Um, probably the most cockroachy card of all. Yeah. Um, but I would <laughs> like, also put just, Helm of the Host in here, maybe. Yep. Like, yeah. I was about to say that because <laughs> I was going to point to my shalai deck where you yeah. have both um helm of the host and anointed procession and when you get them both down it's kind of nonsense yeah um but yeah i think uh i'm trying to think of uh slime foot maybe technically because he essentially lets you yeah. make more saplings um verdant force yeah tor- uh, the dryad tender shoot dryad along yep. those same lines the cards yeah. that are in themselves producing more than one thing yeah um which yeah i think 
Um, again, like the thing about this one that's interesting is I don't think this actually technically like when, when we go back to like what we were talking about with like deck archetypes and things like that. Um, I think every deck wants as like wants this element mostly because it's just the value that you get from mm-hmm. copying things like, or making new things. Yeah, like winning a game of Magic, you always want your cards to two for one. Like you always want your cards to give you advantage in the game and not just like your one card does one thing. Right. And that's how you start getting ahead and winning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I yeah, really that's... liked, it was kind of like a thought experiment, just thinking of the cards and the format, kind of thinking of cards you might've forgotten and putting them into these categories. So might, might can come back to this, I think. Yeah. And so just to kind of um, explain like through the rest of the, the uh, article uh alangi talks about how um he says that the uh the rattlesnake gorilla and spider cards are key a deck absolutely needs to have those three elements in order to be as successful like have most direct and repeatable success in multiplayer um because you need to make threats intimidate the people with the threats um and then also follow through when people you know, respond or retaliate to you. Um, so uh, it looks like the, uh, and then he says past that, um, the he values cockroach cards more than he does pigeon or plankton cards. Um, and like we were saying, cockro- cockroach cards are just good in every deck, regardless of what you're doing. Um, but uh, it looks like those three are less, he thinks are less important to driving a deck to success. Um, so... That's, I mean, just to kind of wrap up the Alangi article. But uh, yeah, I think it was really cool to like think about what your cards are doing and how they fit into like an overall archetype of your deck and how how they might be helping you or hurting you when it comes to playing uh, playing the deck. So cool. Yeah, that's question one. It's probably our longest one. So sure. Um, so the next question, um, and still from at Mike Trev. Um, what are your thoughts on deck composition? So essentially the idea of, you know, number of lands versus creatures versus non-creature versus ramp, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I took a little look. I, I didn't really break down to ramp necessarily, which might be something we can look into later. Um, but uh, I essentially uh, took all of the decks that I've built um, as well as one of Chris's decks and a couple I'll... of the decks that our friend Derek has made. Yeah, I'll um, hopefully get the rest of my decks up on uh tapped out so we could get better statistics but for now this is what we have yeah and so um essentially uh just looking at it it looks like out of the let me just count real quick here uh 10 or so decks that um i have there the number of lands in like the average number of lands is about 23 23.18 so it looks like we run about a 23 to 36 or 37 ish uh ratio um and so essentially i think and when i look at most of my decks i think that makes a lot of sense um i think that's actually a little low um for some of them but obviously these numbers are deck dependent like my tatiova deck runs more lands but that's because i want to play more lands um or like my uh let's see yeah my or uh Derek's Azor deck runs more lands, but that's because it's white blue. So I'm guessing he's relying on drawing more lands because white blue doesn't have a lot of ramp options. And I think um, when you're a control yeah. deck, 
you never want to miss a land drop because yeah like that's just that's just essential in a um control deck yeah but the interesting thing is when i first thought about it before i actually looked at numbers um i said oh you know it's probably between like 23 and you know maybe 28 lands in a deck none of my decks have that many lands um the highest i have is 25 like i said for tatiova i actually go down to uh 21 for my rishkar deck which is um mostly because rishkar is a land in a sense like and most of the creatures in that deck are pretty cheaply costed and also turn into lands he's kind of like two lands yeah exactly because he turns one of your other creatures into a land too um so that one i i'm not sure if that's exactly the right way to think about that because it probably means i'm going to get screwed a little off more often than i want um but yeah i think yeah i definitely hover between 23 and 25 lands depending on the um curve like if we top out it we're planning on having a lot of mana sinks late game or if we're a little bit more aggro and when in the late game drawing a land would be horrible yeah so it really depends on the deck you're playing i think yeah but i i I do think a general good rule of thumb is that you shouldn't be running less than 20 lands and you shouldn't be running more than say 27 lands and even then you're kind of pushing it because the thing is in brawl we only have 60 card decks so like like Chris is saying, you don't want to draw a land on turn eight or nine when the board is stalling out. You want to draw something good that's actually going to help you. So, And that's um, where you need to be running card advantage or yeah. um, filtering or something that will let you turn those late uh, game land draws into something else. Yeah, so kind of along those lines, um, kind of breaking out the non-land cards um it looks like amongst the decks that i was looking at the average number of creatures is 18.36 so about excuse me 18 creatures um which let me just do some quick math here means that it's about a third of the deck um about 30 percent of the deck is creatures um so about half of the non-land cards a little bit under half yeah, and so, um, and then the interesting thing is it looks like enchantments, artifacts, sorceries, and instants all even out to about four or five um, of each of those card types. Um, and then Planeswalkers is around one, um, mostly because I think the the problem is it's just hard to justify having a lot of Planeswalkers because you need creatures to protect them. Yada, yada, yeah, yeah. You, you want your Planeswalkers to be... Um, game changing, I think. Yeah. Or well, yeah. like, I think Karn is a good example in your artifact decks. Yeah. Um, Tezzeret is a good example because he's your brawler, right? Which, so. yeah, I think that also skews it a little bit, maybe because um, out of the <clears throat> decks I was looking at, there's at least two Planeswalker brawlers. Um, so obviously those are a planeswalker that are in the deck. So, um, and one of them was also Muldrotho, which runs three planeswalkers. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, I think in general depend, it, it obviously depends on the deck. I have a Tesseract deck that runs like 10 artifacts and that's not including creatures. Um, I have a, or, well, you have a, an Adelie's deck, which runs, you know, higher numbers of sorceries and instants than, and uh, a regular, if once my raft deck gets added to this, that has a lot of artifacts. Yeah, um, but yeah. So effectively, it, it at least from what I'd say is a general rule of thumb. Your deck. Let's let me do the math again, just to make sure I'm not giving too stupid of advice. 
Yeah, so it looks like your deck should have about 40% lands, 30% creatures, and then the other 30% is, you know, whatever your deck needs to succeed, which is general rule of thumb. Obviously, those numbers should change if you have something that requires you to play a lot of one certain card type. Yeah, so. this is this is super um, specific to the deck you're running to. Like, as you were saying, the Azor deck won't be running a lot of creatures because it's a control deck, so it's um, running a lot of removal. Yeah. Uh, those um, gorilla-type cards that are wiping the board or... Yeah. Well, so yeah, so let's actually... Um, in looking at the like raw numbers here... Um, the lowest number of creatures in a deck is actually my Tezzer, or no, it's my Tachova deck, which makes most sense because I'm doing a lot of land shenanigans. Um, but yeah, so that's running 12 creatures. Um, and I think the main reason for that is that I have a lot of recursion and also a lot of like enchantment and artifact strategy in order to kind of reuse my graveyard, reuse like cast Tachova. Um, but, uh, after like right above that one is Tezzeret, which only has 13 creatures. And I think again, just run a lot of artifacts instead. Um, but at the high end here, we have 25 creatures, um, which is in uh, Derek's Kamena deck, which is Merfolk. So that makes a lot of sense too. Cause you know, a lot of the Merfolk cards are specifically Merfolk. So yeah, uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a wide spectrum. Um, and it really depends on what kind of deck you're running. So um let's see and the other i just wanted to point this out because i thought it was interesting um so in the number of decks that at least the the, the decks that i was looking at um 60 of the decks were two colors um which is interesting because out of all of the potential brawlers only 37 percent of brawlers are two colored um over half of the brawlers are monocolored. So it's interesting that as brawlers, at least for the the small number of decks I was looking at, but I would not be surprised if this kind of was somewhat indicative of the larger brawl population, um, that uh, we tend towards two-colored decks as opposed to monocolored or three or more, which, to be fair, three or more have a much smaller representation. But I think we- it's... Yeah. I think it's because those, dual, those um, two- or three-colored decks aren't as narrow in their strategy so they're more appealing to deck builders at least to me because i think most yeah. monocolored brawlers are going to have pretty narrow strategies i guess like that's true your yeah. rich card deck is a ramp yeah go or go ramp or go wide deck and then uh, what are the other monocolors we have uh my j stack yep and then i think that's it so, I mean, there's definitely good monocolored brawlers. Yeah. It just might not be as enticing to build that monocolored deck because yeah. you're cutting off a lot of... Well, that's I think I think that's part of it is at least, obviously, the sample that I have is from people who started, like, who are EDH players first and then brawl players second. Um, and I think coming from EDH, one of the things that EDH players have... Like, one of the things you learn as you play EDH is that... Um, the more colors you play, the better your deck is because it gives you more uh, more access to more things, um, which is why like the four color commanders were such a big like chain, like like why they like, kind of warp the format a bit with Brea and Atraxa and um, uh, even to some extent like Yidris and Saskia uh, and Kineos and Tiro all kind of pushing people towards playing more colors. Um, and I think it's just because people who play EDH want to play as many good cards as possible. So 
I loved that year of Commander 2. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so then... And then I also like the color distribution. It was weird. 70% of the decks that are in here or in my list are, are blue. Um, I wonder why. Gross. Um, but yeah, so that was interesting. Also, just to see that um, across the across standard right now, um, actually, it's pretty evenly split. There's about 30% of legendary creatures that are white, blue, black, and red. Green is a little lower um, with about 25%. And then colorless, there's actually about 3% or so um, because you have Karn, Hope of Gear and Traxos, um, who are all colorless brawlers. So, yeah, um, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. It's weird that green doesn't have as many legendary creatures as the other colors, but... And if any of our listeners have built a colorless brawl deck, I'd love to hear about it on Twitter. Yes, no, I, uh, one of my friends was thinking about building a Traxos EDH deck and that still, that sounds interesting, but I w- I'm much more curious to see how it goes with a restriction of doing it in the standard, um, uh, yeah, standard I feel arena. like a, a Traxos deck in Commander might be a voltron deck where you run out all of equipment and stuff, but I would be interested to see what type of, what type of deck it would be in Brawl. Yeah. Cause well, you don't I mean, have as many of those like game changing equipments. I mean, but I don't know if you need game changing equipments. Yeah, as I guess much. you have Black Blade Reforged and yeah. those well, and, types of things. And even like Short Sword is a one mana untap Traxos and then one mana give Traxos plus one plus one. So I don't know. It's interesting. I, I would love to see that. Um I'd also now that we're talking about it, part of me is like maybe I should build a Traxos deck, but I don't need more decks. <laughs> so um, let's move on to Mike Trev's last question. So the last question, could you guys do, um, some best ofs from Kaladesh through Ixalan? Uh, and I think he also mentioned underrated cards. So cards that maybe aren't getting the love that we think they should be getting. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. I, uh, I, I think, uh, on the MTG Brawl subreddit, there've been a couple, uh, kind of in-depth posts where someone has gone through and kind of talked about like the big like headliners through standard for all of the colors, all the color combos and stuff. Um, but I think it's really interesting to look at, especially with some like anecdotal, like we we're talking about with um, Edifice of Authority. Like I don't think anyone when they started, like if you're going to brew a brawl deck was like, you know what I should put in that one artifact that is really good in one V one in limited, but not really good anywhere else. <laughs> but it turns out it's actually pretty good in brawl too, because it lets you, like we we're saying with that rattlesnake aspect, um, kind of threaten someone who is, you know, has a big threat and say like, Hey, don't bring that over here. Cause, or at least, you know, at least threatened to be like, Hey, like, you know, if I'm getting any kind of vibes from you, I'm not going to let you attack with that. So. Yeah, it's and it's also like a deal maker. You get to say, if you don't attack me with that, I won't tap it down. Exactly. So, yeah. So, for example, Edifice of Authority. Um, but yeah, yeah, is a card that I think we've seen played in our group to great effect. So that might be a card people might consider running. Yes. Um, what, what's another card here that... Uh, uh, another card is Thematic Compass, and uh, Twitter user Volmatron uh, suggested his group plays it, thinks it could be played in every deck. And I think I think it does a lot of the things that decks want, in that it fetches a land if you need it, 
um it flips into a maze of if i think is the card yes but yeah, only well, for opponent's creatures yes yep yeah it's so that really is one of those um rattlesnake cards yeah so i think thematic compass if you're not playing it you might consider trying it out because i've liked what i've seen of it yes no that's i i completely agree i i made a little joke here on our notes that said that um every it should go in every deck except tachyova but you should still play it in her because it's still really good um because i played it in my tachyova deck and guess what like when i see that card flip i just kind of my heart sinks because i'm now the game just got a lot harder to win yes well and it's exciting because um not only does it fetch you up like like it doesn't propel you into seven lands but it also becomes a land which means that it counts for things like multani and blackblade reforge and then also taps for mana and also acts as a maze of it um it's kind of yeah. like ramp too because yep when you go from turn seven to eight you could go from seven to nine mana <laughs> exactly so well i mean it's not i don't know about you but it's not turn seven to eight for me it's usually like turn four to five anyway um <laughs> but no uh it's I completely agree. I, I'm actually uh, brewing some other decks, and I'm definitely going to have to put that in for some of the decks that have less, like, especially with, like, Grow from the Ashes and stuff in green. Um, I think I need to add Thematic Compass to some of my decks that are a little less blessed when it comes to the color pie. Um, I, think a, I think we can just put in a big group a lot of those flip yes. um, artifacts, like the vehicle, the... Yes. Um, treasure map yep. the i don't know so much about the dagger dousing dagger but maybe it's better in a multiplayer format well so that's the thing um so i, I saw you also put primal amulet on here and yeah i think primal amulet should be played more and it makes me feel sad because i already don't I, I hate that card so much <laughs> but i uh, love that card in edh i'm yes. not sure brawl is the right format for it to get a lot of play but i think it could do really well in a deck that's suited for it yeah um i think i I think you're right with um like pretty much the enchantments are a little more like i think some of the enchantments have gotten the love they deserve cough cough right the growing rights of itlamok um but uh Search for Escanta. Search for Escanta. I don't think those are underrated. <laughs> no, I don't think they're underrated either. But I do think the artifacts... I think Treasure Map honestly sees a lot of play in Brawl. I think yeah. that one's the one that has gotten the recognition it deserves. Mostly because it, in addition to you know beca- scrying and then becoming a land, it also gives you three treasure, which is good for artifact decks, and it's good for ramped, and it's good for... Um, you know, it's just good. Um, but uh, I think you're right with Conqueror's Galleon. I, I think that card is really good. Um, it is a little pricey, I guess, but like in terms of mana, but at the same time, like four mana. Yeah. But you also have to crew it and then you, yeah, and then on the flip side, the abilities go two, four and six. Um, but yeah, the six is graveyard recursion. That's true of any kind. And get four mana anything. tap is a better Arch of Araska. That's true. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're right. I don't see it at all. I think it should be played more. Um, why the... Okay. I just noticed. Why the heck is Dubious Challenge on this list? <laughs> oh, you know, it's underrated. It should be It should be played more. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, I was going to say, I think Dowsing Dagger is good in both EDH and here. Because it is one of those... Um, it's not even a plankton card because it 
only helps one specific opponent, but it does give you some politics because you can give the plants to someone else. Um, and then be in need of some chump blockers. Exactly. And then hit, you know, a different person to get the flip. Um, yeah. So what are some other ones you put Garaport Ori, which was one we yes. mentioned earlier, which is play extra lands, draw extra cards. If you have no cards in your hand. Yes. Um, um I like that hand refilling aspect. Yes. Yeah. Especially for a card that wants to keep its hand size lower might be good in a deck that has a lower curve because you're going to be getting all your cards out of your hand quickly. You need to refill. And maybe you're getting that advantage before the other players get it. Yeah. That that's the the other thing though for me is um and maybe this is I don't know, maybe this is different than other people who play Brawl, but like one of the things that I I mean, I like winning, don't get me wrong, but I do also enjoy when the game is good, um, as opposed to one person sits there and doesn't do anything because, you know, they've played out everything and it all got blown up or Sometimes you know, they've had to discard all their hands. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes Jorah feels like a game of solitaire. Exactly. So I'm okay with cards that are, you know, plankton cards like Gear Per Ori, where it says, hey, you know, like that person that has no cards in hand, guess what? Like you're going to draw three extra cards. You're welcome. Um, mostly because it means the game is just more fun for everyone as opposed to being, you know, one sided. Um, A slog, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Another one here. Um, I put down the expertise cycle. Um, I'm pretty sure Riskar's expertise gets more than enough love especially for like galta decks um uh but i think that uh baral's expertise and even kari zev's expertise um they're good cards like getting a free spell on top of another effect is so good you know <laughs> um uh I, I don't know it's just i think uh, even and maybe you throw shrams in there too because I'm sure not many people are on that one either. But I, I just think that it's worth considering the idea of like that's a good ability that I already wanted. Plus, I already have cards in my deck that I want to play, and if I can do it for free, then like why not? Um, and I think that cycle gets better the higher costed the card is because then you're yeah. casting a higher mana card for free. Right, and which you're also getting a better yeah. effect out of the card. Which which is why I think rich cards is already well well known to be a good card and i think um Yehani's expertise is also fairly well known to be a good card because it gives the uh because it does the minus two minus two um, minus three minus oh sorry three. sorry i was thinking i was mixing up a golden demise in my head um yeah. but yeah so like it's a good board wipe plus you get to play another card it's very good um but yeah let's move on to another card what, what do you think what which other ones here do you want to um i like key to the city because yes. I was running it in my Tashana deck before I took it apart for a different deck. And it's just so... I like this card because it's filtering. You tap it, discard a card to give a creature unblockable. If you're going kind of Ultron-y, it's great for that. Um, and then when it untaps, you can pay one to draw a card. So it's kind of like later cycling. It's not really looting, but um, you get to get that extra card later after you... So I think it's it's a multifaceted card that's doing a bunch of things yeah it's it's long-term rummaging um yeah but the thing that's really the thing that like especially for some of the games that we've played that's made it stand out is the fact that it um uh is the fact that it makes it, it makes board stalls less problematic because yep we we run into these huge slogs we all have huge boards evasion but if, 
yeah, if you make a creature unblockable, it's still getting through. Um, and typically, um, that that is actually a pretty decent way to end the game. The fun thing also is with politics. It doesn't mean it doesn't target one of your. It doesn't have to target a creature you control. You can yep. target anyone's creatures. We so have, we have done that. <laughs> yes, in a political game, and I yeah. think that might be something to talk about um, later. But it's something everybody knows. But especially in this format, evasion is key. Yeah, that's that's how you're going to be closing out games in brawl. Yeah. Um. So I want to talk about another one here let's talk about rampaging ferocidons that was my guess (laughs) yeah so the thing is i don't know if this is technically underrated or not obviously the big problem was that it was banned when brawl was initially created so no one was playing it because it was banned but i play this card in multiple decks now and it is so good like i think really the writer that is the best part about it is that players can't gain life you know how I, many decks want to gain life in this format? Yes. A lot of them. A lot. And I, you know what? I already hate it as much as I hate Ristic Study because it's, did you take one? Did you take one? <laughs> did you take one? I'm just like, oh my goodness, just let me play magic. <laughs> well, that's the that's the fun part is it's it's something fun for everyone because the control players that want to gain life can't do that. And the token players that want to make a lot of creatures can do that, but they pay a pretty heavy price for it. Um, and, and then on top of that, if they try to regain that life, they're not gonna. Yeah, and on top of it, it's also a three-three for three with menace, which is just overkill. Like, there's a reason it was banned in standard. Um, <laughs> so, but I think it's really good, and I highly recommend playing it if you are in a red deck of any kind. Why is Wizards loving on red so much these days? I don't know. Um, let's talk about another one here. Um, do you want to talk about the deserts? Uh so yeah, I don't think I don't know if these are underrated per se. I think they're just looked over. Yeah. Because every deck list I see runs the cycling deserts. Sure. And I so it's kind of just like an auto include, but I wanted to like point out how good they are and maybe consider running them if you're not. Because early the tapped lands don't really matter that much in this multiplayer format and then late game they do cycle into um not a dead draw because they are yes. lands that cycle yep so the monocolored ones as well as the dual they're actually dual lands too so you can fetch them with i don't even know if there's fetching for non-basic land types in yeah standard, no i don't think so but and no then there's all those deserts with abilities like if yeah. dead lands the chef at dunes that are when there's um advantage built into your lands yeah. Which you're going to be drawing and playing regardless. It's just really good. Yeah. Um, no, I definitely... I think Scavenger Grounds has been a real... Uh, Necessity? Yeah. Especially since we have a, we, we've had a Muldrotha deck in the mix. Um, My Adelie's deck. Yeah. There's a lot of spells from the graveyard, and I do not enjoy when my graveyard gets exiled. Yes. So, yeah, I think, honestly, that's one of the things is that if you're not, if you're not playing a desert or two, like you... I mean, like... Chris you, was saying, you're you probably running the be. cycling deserts already anyway. So maybe just take a look at some of the um, Hour of Devastation deserts because they added some really nice lands in there. Um, like Endless Sands is a really good card that lets you save your stuff from board wipes or from, you know, targeted hate spells. Let's and then you, you rebuy some ETB effects. Yeah. So anyway, I think you're right. I think those are somewhat underrated. Um, let's talk about another one here. Uh, 
Hmm. I want to talk about the Planeswalker deck, Planeswalkers. Maybe um, we each pick one more because we're running a little late. Yeah, let's do that. Um, so I want to talk about the Planeswalker deck, Planeswalkers, which isn't one card, but it's a lot of cards. Um, but the main reason I want to talk about them is because I think, for the most part, there are, an, there are some hidden gems in the Planeswalker deck, Planeswalkers. And it's not anything that anyone thinks of immediately when they start thinking about brawl decks because obviously you're thinking about the planeswalkers that are actually in the set you're thinking about you know the good legendary creatures um but when you look at the planeswalker deck planeswalkers obviously are not as good as the ones that are in the set but they're still pretty good like especially in a multiplayer format where you can you know kind of shield around them for a little bit um and also if you know someone looks at it and is like this is a planeswalker deck planeswalker (laughs) whatever um you can usually get away with you know using them a little bit more um i don't know i just think they're really good i think they're worth looking at if you have a deck that has those colors because they might turn out to be better than you expect so yeah and i think planeswalkers are always good because they're built in card advantage because you're getting effects over multiple turns yeah well and most of them usually have a plus one that either negates something of an opponent or nets you card advantage so Ta-da. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and then i guess the one i want to talk about then is quicks the quicksilver cycle which is just two cards that give artifacts tap abilities the red one gives a artifact tap deal two. the blue one gives an artifact tap draw card and i yeah. think these deck these cards are amazing in decks that might be running um equip or artifacts that don't care about being tapped or not like equipments um treasures that you might have extra of can you think of anything else no i mean um i I put fabricate the mechanic on this list so servos and thopters um (laughs) like that's the thing i think one of the things that um especially for kaladesh and ether revolts um that you need to keep in mind is that with ixalan's treasures there are so many cards from kaladesh and ether revolt that love artifacts and love treasures like it was obviously i'm sure they thought about that when they made them but like it's so good there are so many cards in if you if you have any kind of deck that makes treasures or any kind of deck that you know thinks about artifacts at all looking at you karn and traxos um like so i guess in that vein cards like tezzeret's touch or just those niche artifact cards might be good to consider yeah, Contraband Kingpin is the other one I had put on there because it lets you scry whenever an artifact enters the battlefield, which is ridiculously good with treasure. Um, Foundry Inspector, same thing as a Joyra's Familiar, you know. I just recall you scrying like 10 at one point. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, Spell Swindle, I guess, is one. I, I love Spell Swindle, so I want to mention it. I just think it's an amazing card. Yes, I and mean. the flavor is amazing, too. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, so those are some cards that, um, you know, we we think we're a little are a little underrated. Um, maybe you know in the coming months with Core nineteen coming out, um, we might see some decks come around that might you know push some of these cards up. Especially you know Tezzeret, the Planeswalker might be very artifact heavy. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but uh, I guess one last note here. Um, I don't know if this is part of the question or not, but uh, the three mana rocks question. No, I don't think it was a part of the question, but I just thought of it like it's definitely not an underrated card i think it might actually be overrated 
Yes. Well, specifically, I think Manolith is yeah. overrated. I think Manolith is an unplayable in I this think format. It's a trap. I, mean, I don't think you want to be running Manolith over a land. No. And especially, so I, I wrote down the, the three, obviously, the, the three that I can think of on the top of my head are Manolith, Relic of Orozca, and Cultivator's Caravan. Um, Manolith is unplayable. Relic of Orozca is fringe playable for something like Muldrotha, where you can draw a card every turn. Um, and then I said Cultivator's Caravan is actually, I feel like, especially for decks that require a lot of mana, like intensive mana colors, like three color, four color, five color decks four-color Joda decks. Um, I think you should consider Cultivator's Caravan because at the worst, it's one of your colors. Um, but, it yeah. It can also become a 5-5 five, five creature in a pinch. And I think yes. that's, it becomes playable because it's multifunctional. Yes, I think that's true. And that's, that's the other part. Is it's only Crew 3. Um, and so for most decks, that's not that difficult to achieve. And it can make like a handy uh, surprise blocker speaking of like a spider card that like if someone's not paying that much attention which it's brawl so they're probably not <laughs> yeah but our play group's pretty good about like oh shoot i wouldn't have attacked you if i had known that so we let right there's a lot of like backtracking and i might change my decision based on something that i just saw that i didn't know about a second ago yeah but like along those lines it'll probably in that case be a rattlesnake card disincentivize people to attack yep. you because you can create a five five out of nowhere so it's it's i think that one's worth considering the other two relic very fringe but uh manolith unplayable um but i mean uh, at the same time i don't want to say that and like be like if you're you know if you're like looking colors you're like i don't really want to drop four or five dollars however much it is on that card don't do it just run a land because the land is going to be better for you than manolith um unless you're unless you're real hard up for like three or four, three or five color options. Um, I don't think you should play Manolith, but that's just me. Cool. Okay. I think that's everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we got through those questions. Um, if yeah, you... Thank you so oh. much for the interaction on Twitter, whoever yes. has been liking or commenting. We've gotten a few um, pieces of, I get not advice, but suggestions. Yeah. Um, so we've taken everything into account. So we really appreciate it. Yeah. And um, so I guess just kind of to cover this before I forget, um, along those lines, this episode should have some new theme music. Um, I believe the artist is Aunt Neely, um, but it's the same. It, same as um, the last piece of music we were using. Um, it was obtained using the free music archive online. Um, so thank you to them for that. Um, but uh, the other thing is our our cover art is done by um, Awkward Bun. You can find her on Twitch. Yeah, um, and I actually just commissioned her for some more Twitch stuff. So, yeah, she's really good. Yeah, so uh, check her out. Uh, uh, Twitch.tv slash Awkward Bun. Um, she does some creative streams that are very enjoyable to watch. Um, if you want to interact with us and send us questions, just like at Mike Trev did, um, you can find us on Twitter. We're at All Out Brawl MTG. Um, and you can also find us on Facebook. Uh, there's not much there, but whatever. Um, and you can also email us alloutbrawlmtg at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, feel free to email us or tweet at us to let us know your thoughts about uh, our episodes as well as you know your deck lists, your questions. Like we were saying, if you have a Traxos deck, we would love to see it because we are 
very interested in seeing how that plays out. Um, if you have some favorite underrated cards, let us know about them. Yeah. Um, and if you, if just like, uh, just like, uh, at Mike Trev did, if you have any suggestions for, you know, more extended magic, uh, research or lore that you want us to talk about or dig into, just shoot it at us. Cause we're, we're big nerds and we like to read. Yes. So. <laughs> we also appreciate the content ideas as well. Yes. Um, so that's everything. Um, until next week, uh, I've been Sam. And I've been Chris. Thank you guys for listening. It's been an all-out brawl. All-out honor. No, that's not good. <laughs> pow, pow, pow.